0: Talking about specialized pastoral ministry. And today, joining me in studio, the Reverend Joel Hempel. He's director and religious endorser for specialized pastoral ministry in the LCMS Office of National Mission. Pastor Hempel, welcome.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good to have time to learn more about specialized pastoral ministry with you and uh, what all that entails, how to prepare for it, and also about your path. Uh, to, uh, to specialized pastoral ministry, which I understand includes chaplaincy. Tell me about um, what led you to consider this vocation, led up to specialized pastoral ministry and the, the, the ministries that you've been involved in prior to this role.
1: When I came out of the seminary, which was in 1971, I had a two-year limited call, which is very unusual back then. There was a Wheatridge grant for which I was grateful to the congregation at Prince Lutheran in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was to serve as the community pastor. But after two years, they had no money to pay me for my family. And so in the second year, I had heard a presenter at one of our Winkles, our circuit pastors meetings, a man from a hospital nearby who was talking about what was, what's called clinical pastoral education. And he explained what it was and invited those who were present to consider it. Well, I was looking for something. And as he described it, it sounded very interesting. And so I applied for this part-time program the second year. Uh, I fell in love with the kind of uh, on uh, hands-on training and action reflection model of learning and so then I re- asked for a uh, applied for a residency the following year that would be the third year when we had no money coming in so the that residency provided income it was essentially a two-thirds residency I continued at the church halftime and then sort of an aside we had been working on opening up a homeless shelter uh, for uh, most of whom were public inebriates, people who were on the streets for various reasons and had a variety of addictions. And we opened up a center for them. And so uh, I helped in that program and there was some income from that as well. So all that was going on that third year, uh, but that introduction to clinical pastoral education and serving as a chaplain on the floors of the hospital uh, it was really exciting to me. How so, so? Well, it was exciting because, uh, I mean, this sounds strange, but number one, I like the learning. I came out of the seminary, like a lot of us who came out of the seminary, without a lot of skill in pastoral care and attending to people in their pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many listeners may know, someone can come out of the seminary with one required course in pastoral counseling. And most of it is theory. Uh, the, The hope is that through one's vicarage, you can acquire other skills, obviously, like preaching and teaching, but also in pastoral care visitation. But depending upon your vicarage supervisor, you may or may not learn a lot about how to do a pastoral care visit. And it's more than just showing up, although showing up is important and necessary. It's what goes on in that conversation and what kind of listening you bring to the other person. And so as I was engaged in this kind of learning in the hospital setting in clinical pastoral education, I just, I liked the growing that I was doing. And uh, part of that growing is looking at yourself and uh, making sure yourself does not get in the way of the Holy Spirit who was working through us. And we can obviously get in the way of God doing his work uh, through ministers to the people we're serving. And I, I like the ability of uh, developing more skills and taking my theology from the seminary, which was forming and, and becoming stronger and applying it in a way that makes sense to people and getting out of the academic classroom and into the uh, practical application of the patient's room or wherever it might be. So all of that was going on. And it was turning me on. And then I discovered that there was no such thing as an inner city parish ministry clinical pastoral education training program. So long story, and I know it's a long story, uh, shortened as much as I can. Uh, We started going after the funding, which now they call network-supported missionaries. I didn't know I was doing it, but back then I was doing it. And we were going around and finding individuals who had a heart for inner city ministry and working with the poor and attending to those who were broken uh, through the parish that I was serving. And we started this clinical pastoral education training program. So then I had to go on to get additional training and credentials for uh, becoming an educator in clinical pastoral education. And so that's what I did in the parish until 1990 when I was called to come to St. Louis to work with Lutheran Senior Services, as it's now called, and to begin a clinical pastoral education, a CPE training program at that site, working with not only our seminarians uh, out of St. Louis, but out of Fort Wayne and other people who would come uh, for that kind of learning. So I did uh, some chaplaincy, but a lot of what I did was educating those who wanted to become chaplains or pastoral counselors.
0: What's important to you in that education and formation for those who are seeking specialized pastoral ministry or chaplaincy?
1: Well, what's important to me is that people, those who want to become specialized pastoral ministers, invest themselves in the learning that our church body believes is required. Uh, we require for institutional chaplaincy four what's called a unit, four units of clinical pastoral education or CPE. A unit is four hundred hours, a hundred hours of classroom study and three hundred hours of ministry in the so-called clinic, wherever that might be. And there are all kinds of settings for doing that. And so, sixteen hundred hours is is what we require. Uh, at, on the road to becoming or as you said the path to becoming uh, a uh, an endorsed ecclesiastically endorsed and in some cases certified uh, chaplain
0: what and let's let's break down those terms as well uh, ecclesi- ecclesiastically endorsed chaplain spm all these these phrases floating around help me understand those
1: well yeah and let me back up because I didn't say something that I wanted to say and that is there are three areas that we look at in training mm-hmm. and through the endorsement process also the endorsement process is the the uh, the the way in which the church body gives its uh, imprimatur its approval to someone to represent them serving mm-hmm. in these different roles called institutional chaplaincy or pastoral counseling or clinical pastoral educator or an a, a, uh, emergency services chaplain, like a police or fire chaplain. And there are different kinds of training that's required for those different paths and those different specialties. And there are three general areas that we look at and that's included in the training. One is knowledge and skills. You acquired additional knowledge and skills. Like I said, you can come out of the seminary or out of your diaconal training, for example, and you're equipped for sort of generalized parish ministry. Um, But if you wanna go on to teach at the seminary, for example, to become an educator, it's gonna require some additional training and formation. Uh, If you want to become a military chaplain, that requires additional training and formation. The same thing is true for institutional chaplains, hospitals, prisons, hospice, and so forth, nursing homes. It's true for pastoral counselors uh, and emergency service chaplains. All that requires some additional training on top of what a person has when they are certified coming out of their Mm -hmm. their, uh, university or seminary training. So in CPE, Clinical Pastoral Education, we focus on, I keep having a hard time getting to these, don't I? We focus on knowledge and skills, additional knowledge and skills that's required, because it's very different. Think about it. If you are, you're a DCE, and have you ever worked in a parish? Yes. Did you ever visit somebody who was in the hospital or nursing home? Yes. To provide care to them, spiritual care? hmm certainly. Okay, a lot of ministers do that who work in the parish, and so some come to the conclusion, well, then I can become an institutional chaplain because I've done these kind of visits. Well, that's wonderful, and those visits are important. But it's very different visiting a hospital than working in a hospital and learning about how that system works. And not only how that system works, but every day working in the midst of crisis because people are every day in crisis of one kind or the other and not only the patients who are there but also the staff who are serving them because they come from their own personal lives that are stressed and sometimes broken and they're having to serve the people at that time under their own kind of stress, sometimes very painful stress. And So a chaplain gets to move throughout that entire system, has to learn how to do that and has to learn, and this is tough, has to learn how to touch a person's pain in a caring way, and hold yourself there with that person's pain and help them work through it and not be afraid of it, not try to distract them from it, but help them to enter it as much as they choose and to work through, hopefully, to a healthier and a more healing place, a place of peace. And that's where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in when the Holy Spirit opens up that door of opportunity. And so you you learn knowledge and skills. You also learn about yourself, like I said before, and how to stay away, but you also have these strengths that the Lord has blessed us with certain gifts that enhance ministry. And because we grew up in a broken society and a, uh, a, a world that is broken by original sin, we are broken. And because our parents were not perfect, and because relationships we've been in have not been perfect, so we come out of it wounded. And we bring those wounds into our professional ministry. And those wounds can trip us up and keep us, for example, in staying present to another person's pain. Uh, or we can, it can scare us, or anxi- anxiety may get in the way, or we may have some issues around anger or authority that are problematic. So all of these things in cpe and that kind of training help us to look at that and to work through it to make sure it doesn't trip us up and hurt the other people that we're serving and then thirdly is our theology and we have incredible wonderful theology in our church in our lutheran church missouri synod that we celebrate and what what the training does is to help us to bring it to a pl- point where it can be applied in a meaningful way to a person. So we don't come in with packaged theology, mm-hmm. but we come in listening to the other person to hear what is needed and to respond spiritually and theologically accordingly to what they need, not what we need to share with them. And so those three those three emphases is what are the training that we require is all about, and uh, then over a period of time, why four units of C P instead of just one? Why 1,600 hours instead of 400 hours? That's a lot of hours. That's a commitment. That's a commitment. Is because it's an integration process mm. because you learn a lot in that first unit, that first 400 hours. And then you start learning less and less in terms of specific added additional knowledge and skills. You learn some, but not as much as that first quarter. But there's this process of integrating, of making it a part of who you are until you become at home with this new knowledge and skills. And you become at home with the new person you are becoming that the Holy Spirit is forming through this process. That just takes time.
0: What does that look like from your own experience or from a student you've worked with do you have a story that exemplifies that, that process of, of going through uh, clinical pastoral education to prepare to be a chaplain or serving in an institutional setting or, or even uh, in, in a military setting?
1: Um, I could speak personally, uh, and I can if you want. Uh, I don't want it to make it about me. Uh, but I'm thinking of an individual, for example, who came from the seminary from one of our seminaries, I wouldn't say which one, but who was um, scared, rather stiff, uh, and unattentive to others, more because of his own anxiety, because of some things from his own past that I won't share, but his anxiety was very evident. Uh, and when he preached, because the, as, a, as a vicar in the CPE program, you had the privilege of preaching, and so he would stand as a totem pole. I mean, he didn't move. And it was this very uh, bland monotone. And I started getting all this negative feedback and he and I were able to talk about this uh, in his training and to find out what was part of that, what was so scary about it. And through the course of time, it, it took a year, but he probably moved from being an F minus preacher to to like a C plus preacher. He was never a great preacher, but he became more at home in the pulpit and he became more confident because of not only what the Lord had given them in all of his tools at the seminary, but because of what was inside of him, the stuff that was getting in the way inside of him, he started moving out of the way by God's grace. That was part of it. The other part of it was his pastoral care, his attention to other people. He, even though he had difficulty before gr- a large group of people, he learned quickly about how to engage individuals. Hmm. And so he picked up on the skills uh, and he fell in love again with what he could do, what, what God was doing through him. He, he, he found himself, because at the seminary, he was bright. He could learn all about the Greek and Hebrew, and he could learn about the history of the church and, and the history of uh, Christianity, uh, but applying it was very difficult for him. And so through, the, through his CPE, clinical pastor education process, he started learning the skills. He started learning about himself, what was getting in the way. He started learning about how he could interpret what he had learned theologically uh, in with words that made sense to people and so by the time we were finished that year the administrator was saying is there any way that we could keep him here because he had made such an impact on the people uh, it was it was remarkable and his preaching like i said never was great but his pastoral care ability was really wonderful
0: what are the the characteristics, what are the things that you're looking for um, in future specialized pastoral ministers or chaplains? What are the things uh, that you're looking for that, that would uh, help one serve well in this particular vocation?
1: Well, that's a question that interests me a great deal because we have you know, what we call a, a specialized pastoral ministry recruitment task force. And We are developing a number of tools uh, for bringing specialized pastoral ministry to the awareness of ministers and students in our church body. Because we believe that the Lord may call people, does call people into ministry, and someone may assume it's parish ministry, and for the most part it is parish ministry. But it may be that they're being called to ministry, but not parish, and we know because some people get out in the parish and it just doesn't work out. They don't connect with people, they have a hard time relating, uh, and so they leave the ministry, which is sad. And we want to show people, help them see another vocation, another path that may, may not, but it may be for them, and it may be for the greater good of the church and for the Lord's mission. And so one of the things that we've done, and this came out of, of uh, Ray Holm used to be the president of Concordia, Irvine. He now heads up, I forget his exact title, but he now, Dr. Holm, now heads up the online educational program of Concordia, Irvine. And so he, he is on our task force, and he and his team has, has been working to develop a self-assessment inventory based on 10 characteristics that our task force has identified that are helpful to have if you want to consider going into specialized pastor ministry. And so I can share with you, since you asked, I can share with you those 10 characteristics and maybe the listener would be interested in those as well. First one has to do obviously with a willingness to serve in a non-parish setting, that's kind of basic. Uh, if you're called to be a parish minister, you don't want specialized pastoral ministry. Uh, unless, of course, you want to be an emergency service chaplain, and then you can be a parish minister and serve as a police and fire chaplain as well in your community. Another one includes uh, the that uh, when they consider the various duties that a minister have, that they would find pastoral and diaconal care visits or counseling uh, rewarding, and that Of all the things you're expected to do in parish ministry, perhaps visiting and caring for others really is what excites you. That's a good indicator of where the Lord may be calling you. The ability to serve in a a pluralistic context, because it is outside the walls of the congregation and in the community, uh, and it's with others who uh, have a very different perspective of their Christian faith and religious beliefs and non-religious beliefs, so-called growing number of nuns, and N-O-N-E-S, in our society. So an ability to serve in that context while maintaining a strong Lutheran identity, which is part of what we look for in an endorsement process. Another characteristic is that uh, they're willing to work without a contextual or confessional LCMS support. And that goes to the work in the pluralistic context is that you don't have the support of being with other fellow Missouri Synod Lutherans who will help hold you up. So that's a reality. Another one is to being comfortable around people of all races and genders and ethnicities of religions and sexual orientations. You have to be okay with relating to them and relating to them in a collegial, caring manner. Someone who can attend to self-assessment and self-awareness. Now, a parish minister can do that as well, obviously, but this is something that we emphasize. You have to stay aware of yourself and always assessing who you are and what you're doing. Another one is finding others, finding that others just naturally talk to you. If you if you realize that people just seek you out and talk with you about personal and uh, very private matters maybe it's part of God saying to you that you have a gift in that area. Another one is that you value emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence serves well in the parish as well, but in what we do, it's critically important that one is aware of his or her own feelings, is aware of other people's feelings, and can read them as well as understand the impact of what you say and do on the other person. Uh, That's very helpful in preaching, too, and teaching, to pay attention to your audience and how they're reacting to what you're saying uh, and how you're saying it, which is why I think I'm getting long here because I'm reading your face. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just say the other two real quick. One is that they can engage in emergency ministry because it happens all the time. You're in crisis ministry, and so you may not know how to do it yet, but you're willing to learn how to do it. And finally, that uh, they are willing to work with somebody who is not Missouri Synod Lutheran. They work for a secular boss, and it's very important that you know you're not in charge. Uh, If you're a parish pastor, you have a lot of authority. You are the leader of the congregation. If you are a chaplain, you are not the leader of that institution. You're one of many professional people who are capable of doing a good job, and you have to learn how to work within that team. That's
0: quite a list, but certainly something to consider if you're thinking about. Definitely something important to consider if you're thinking about uh, specialized pastoral ministry or, or or chaplaincy in your future. What steps should uh, should one take if you want to pursue? specialized pastoral ministry what what's the first step I guess would be what what would be the next step maybe they've already gone through certification they, they've gone through seminary or they've gone through a university program um, for either ordained or commissioned minister
1: if they I would say the first step is to make contact with our office the office of specialized pastoral ministry uh, within the office of national mission and we're on the website at lutheranlcms.org slash SPM they will find us or if they go to LCMS website and and uh, input Specialized Pastoral Ministry or even SPM they will find us so reach out to us we will walk them through what is expected we also have on our website um, an ecclesiastical endorsement manual which explains everything that I've been talking about uh, and <clears throat> We have people who will serve as mentors who will work with them as they are moving through the endorsement process. It's not an easy process. It is uh, it is demanding because we do expect a, a level of competency uh, and providing the kind of care that we look for uh, to people they're serving. Uh, and in order to demonstrate that, they have to do some writing after they've finished their training. But uh, a lot of us have gone through the process. It's very doable. There are about 570 of us in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. And uh, many of them are retiring at this point. We are bringing in new people and looking to bring in new people to serve in this context. Because hospitals, nursing homes, prisons, they look for having chaplains, but for the most part, the administration does not care what kind of chaplain they have. So they may hire a, a Muslim. They may hire somebody who is an atheist. We have atheistic chaplains in, the, in this. I mean, we do, which is kind of mind-boggling. Uh, but they, so they might hire somebody who is humanistic in their beliefs. And so we think we have a theology that is worth bringing into the world and sharing with the world. And so we encourage our people to be mission-minded. They cannot be evangelistic in those institutional settings, but we encourage people to listen to, pay attention to the Holy Spirit who opens up opportunities. So if they contact our office, we can help them sort through what their thinking is and how the Spirit's working with them and get them moving in that direction
0: next step find out more about specialized pastoral ministry lcms.org slash spm my guest today the reverend joel hempel he's director and religious endorser for specialized pastoral ministry in the lcms office of national mission pastor hempel thank you for being my guest
1: you're welcome my pleasure